TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. Enjoy more of the things you love with TCL. I always enjoy bringing you the latest. This is The Scoop. It's The Scoop with Darren Dookie Wolfson from 5 Eyewitness News. It's a Friday night, so I am feeling all right. Actually, it's Friday afternoon, but if I said Friday afternoon, the rhyme doesn't work. Anyway, this is Scoop Podcast episode 306 on this 17th of July. The year is 2020. I hope everyone listening is safe. I hope your families, your loved ones are doing okay, all things considered. All right, let me empty out my figurative notebook. Then we'll get to conversations with Marty Fish, Alexander Madison, Tajay Sharp, and potentially a couple basketball-related guests as well. I'll see where we're at time-wise. I begin with the Vikings. There was no new offer made to Anthony Harris with the deadline to extend him coming and going on Wednesday afternoon. In other words, the sides never came close to any sort of extension. So Anthony Harris is locked in on the franchise tag for the 2020 season. He will make just north of $11.4 million. Then he will be an unrestricted free agent. Next offseason, will the Vikings franchise tag him again? I think that's very unlikely, so we could be looking at Anthony Harris playing his final year in purple. That for sure remains to be seen, but what I can tell you is, I'm telling you, the sides never came even remotely close to any sort of extension. On Dalvin Cook, the Cook camp has looked at that Derrick Henry contract very closely. Four years, $50 million dollars. Just north of $25 million guaranteed. I am told that Dalvin has faith that the Vikings will eventually take care of him. And as popular a player as he is, I would argue he's as popular a player as there is in that offensive meeting room. It would not be a good look if he has to hold out, if the Vikings don't take care of one of their most popular players. The face of that offense. That offense, in my opinion, Goes as he goes. Yes, I understand the argument that it doesn't make sense to pay any running back big money, but the Vikings offense is a run-first offense. It is not a pass-first offense. That offense goes as Dalvin goes. We saw when he missed Week 16 against Green Bay how much they struggled. When he was on the field, the offense was very productive in the playoff win in New Orleans. It was very productive early in the season. You know, you think about that Atlanta game, the game at Green Bay. I mean, Dalvin, when he's going – is as good a running back as pretty much there is in the entire league. That includes Derrick Henry. What Henry has on Cook is durability. That's one thing that Dalvin has to figure out moving forward, but one could argue he's got less wear and tear on his body. But one way or another, Dalvin wants to get paid. His stance has not changed. Now, those close to Dalvin are also of the belief that something will eventually happen. I was with Alexander Madison, who is the number two running back on the Vikings. I was with Madison when he was working out on Tuesday morning at an East Metro high school. He told me he's in pretty regular correspondence with Dalvin. He feels like something will get done. I'm not quite sure he's got incredible insight, but he just gets the sense from correspondence with Dalvin that something will eventually happen. But the question is, will the Vikings give him that David Johnson contract, three years, $39 million? Would they give him the Derrick Henry contract? Heck, would Dalvin take the Derrick Henry contract? I think initially he might look for more than that. Maybe they would eventually settle on comparable numbers. But I don't know if Dalvin right this second is looking for that exact contract. So those talks will pick up as soon as next week. The talks have not picked up yet, but look for those talks to pick up next week. When the Vikings are done signing their rookie class, now I'm not quite sure what they're waiting on. Like Ezra Cleveland is in town right now. James Lynch is in town. I don't know why the Vikings are waiting to sign all these rookies. Now, a lot of the contracts are pretty darn standard, so we can slot those in. There really isn't much of a negotiation. Only Nate Stanley so far, a seventh-round pick, has signed. Presumably, the Vikings will ink a few more guys next week. I'm telling you, though, those contracts are pretty darn standard. So once those contracts are applied to the cap, the Vikings will have in the neighborhood of 7 to $7.5 million in cap space, give or take. So the Vikings do have some wiggle room for the 2020 season, so they could rip up Dalvin's contract. That will pay him around $1.4 million for the 2020 season, then extend him beyond 2020 for a couple years. That would be the logical goal. But yeah, Dalvin still wants a new contract. Nothing has changed going back 
many, many weeks. Also at that workout I was at on Tuesday was Chad Beebe. A bunch of Vikings were there. Garrett Bradbury was there. Avian Collins was there. Chad Beebe was there. Alexander Madison, C.J. Ham, Adam Thielen, Tajay Sharp, and a few other NFL players, including Blake Cashman and Tyler Johnson and a few other offensive linemen. J.C. Hassenauer of the Steelers, former East Ridge High School star, former Alabama star. He was there as well, plus a few other guys. Anyway, on BB, he had that ankle surgery in the winter. He is good to go. He looked phenomenal running routes on Tuesday morning. On Cashman, he looks good to go too. He looks so ripped. The former gopher, the pride of Eden Prairie, if he can just stay healthy. He got injured midway through the season for the New York Jets, was getting legitimate run in his rookie year for the New York Jets. If he just stays healthy, Blake Cashman can be a pretty good linebacker for those Jets. On the Wolves, a number of guys remain in town to work out. Summer workouts have ramped up at Mayo Clinic Square. Guys like Lehman, McLaughlin, Martin, Vanderbilt, Reed, Culver, Okogie. There's a bunch of guys in town. Not all guys. Carl Anthony Towns is in L.A. TMZ captured him the other day. He was hanging out with the model Jordan Woods, who used to have, well, allegedly has a history with Tristan Thompson and others. Is Towns dating her? Are they just friends? Who the heck knows? Who cares? I don't care. But we know that Towns, for sake of this conversation, is in Southern California. But he's been in town. He's bounced back and forth. D'Angelo Russell also in town working out. There was a photo of Russell from... Uh, Minneapolis Lake last week. Some people noted that his right ankle was taped up. I'm told he didn't re-injure anything. That was just normal tape after a workout. So Russell has been working out. So the Wolves have a number of guys in town working out right now, but not everybody. Like I checked on James Johnson, who resides in Miami. He's 33. Like he's got no incentive and he'll opt into that player option contract. James Johnson will be under contract next year for the Wolves. He is not electing free agency, but there's no reason for James Johnson to come up here to Minnesota for summer workouts. He's comfortable down there. He's a vet. So you're not going to get every guy in town when it's not mandatory, but a lot of guys are in town. I know the Wolves are confident about their summer workout plan. Gerson Rosas has permission, if he wants, to go scout in the Orlando bubble. TBD on whether he goes. The Wolves continue draft prospect virtual interviews. Zeke Naji, former Hopkins star, the Pac-12 freshman of the year from the University of Arizona, he will interview with his hometown Wolves on Tuesday. That will be team 20 or 21 for Zeke. I mean, he's interviewed with two-thirds of the league. Tyrell Terry, former De La Salle High School star, Stanford, he could still go back to college for a second year, but it looks like he will stay in the draft. Nothing is official yet, but he's interviewed with all but three teams. Tyrell Terry has interviewed with 27 teams. He is knocking those interviews out of the park. So is Zeke. Two very impressive local kids. Two former D1 Minnesota AAU kids. Here's some other fresh names that have interviewed with the Wolves. Tyler Hagedorn from the University of South Dakota. He may end up in Europe ultimately. He led the NCAA in three-point shooting percentage last year. He's a big who can shoot. He will always find a job, but it may not be immediately in the NBA. Also, Nate Darling. He's an underclassman from Delaware. May ultimately end up back in the college game, but he averaged 21 points a game last year. Scored 29 against Villanova. He, like Hagedorn, one of the best shooters in the country, he also had a virtual interview in the last couple weeks with the Wolves, but I'm telling you, it looks like he may end up back in college. It just doesn't help a guy like that to not be able to work out against other guys, take visits to teams, compete against other players. McKinley Wright, Champlin Park High School, the pride of the University of Colorado, he's in the process of scheduling a virtual interview with the Wolves, but I would not be shocked if he ends up back in Boulder for a senior year, but why not? Hey, go through the process, interview with these teams, get feedback. You still have a few weeks before you need to decide whether you're going back to college or not. That date comes in early August. Some other names the Wolves have talked to, Tyrell Terry, Azabuke, the big man from Kansas, Cassius Winston from Michigan State, and Freddie Gillespie, East Ridge High School by way of Baylor. He is interviewed with his hometown Wolves. Gophers men's hoops coaches expect to work with players starting on Monday. Many are on campus or in town, but there's still some things that need to be figured out. But there was a conference call the other day. The belief is that the Gophers coaches will be able to start working out with their guys on Monday, as will other Big Ten coaches. Speaking of the Gophers, speaking of college basketball, I would not be shocked if we have some news at some point next week of the Gophers losing out on another key recruit. You win some. Unfortunately for the Gophers, you lose many.
and heck, I guess just based on roster size, scholarship, you know, limits, you're going to probably end up losing more guys than you end up getting just based on how many offers you make. But yeah, I would not be shocked if we have some news next week of the Gophers swinging and missing on another recruit. Segwing to the Twins on Monday, Fox Sports North will announce its bells and whistles season coverage plan. That will include TV coverage of Wednesday's exhibition game at Wrigley Field against the Cubs. That's a 6.05 start, so that will be televised in the Twin Cities metropolitan area. MLB Network will pick that up on a national level for those of you who listen to this podcast that don't reside in the Twin Cities viewing area. I've heard good things about Travis Blankenhorn. Remember that name? Louis Arise banged up his knee in the scrimmage on Friday afternoon. He's listed as day-to-day, but we'll have to keep an eye on that. But Blankenhorn can play second base. He's a name to watch. Remember, it's a 30-man roster for the first couple weeks of the season. So the Twins will carry some extra pitchers, guys like Dobnik, like Smeltzer, but They'll carry an extra position guy or two. So just remember that name. If it's not now, could be later. Travis Blankenhorn. You know all the prospect names, Kirilov, Larnick. I mean, those guys have been great. Kirilov hit a home run on Friday. Larnick was great the other day. His swing just is a thing of beauty. Royce Lewis got in some action on Friday. So you know the big names. Jeffers, he hit a home run the other day, the catcher. But I'm just saying, one of the names that doesn't get much pub, just remember it, Travis Blankenhorn. Umpires, the Twins have had umpires at their scrimmages this week. They are not required to wear masks, but if you caught any of the streams, a lot of the umps are wearing masks, but again, not required. It is weird looking at Josh Donaldson wearing number 24, bringer of rain 20. You know, you just, you think of Josh Donaldson, he's, you know, just, he's synonymous with the number 20. He's tried. He has tried and tried and tried to get that number from Rosario, pretty much offering Eddie Rosario the world. And Eddie Rosario so far has said, no, I'm keeping number 20. So Josh Donaldson remains number 24. All right, let's get to some interviews. Let me start with big Twins fan Marty Fish, the ex-tennis pro at one point, was the number one ranked U.S. born tennis player. He's also a phenomenal golfer. He is an unbelievable golfer. He won that Celebrity Classic in Lake Tahoe last weekend. He held off Kyle Williams, the former Buffalo Bill, Steph Curry of the NBA, Hall of Fame pitcher John Smoltz. Tony Romo has won that event. He withdrew because of an injury on Saturday, but Marty was ahead of Tony when Tony withdrew. Adam Thielen is a phenomenal golfer. I remember him in high school at Detroit Lakes. He played in the event. He wasn't, now I think he was like top 20, top 25, but he's not as good as Curry and Smoltz and these guys, including Fish. I mean, it's a really competitive field. Kyle Rudolph also played in the event. He brought his entire family out to Tahoe last weekend. But anyway, Marty Fish, after coming close multiple other years, finally won the darn thing. I caught up via Zoom with the Twin Cities-born former tennis pro and phenomenal golfer. Here's my recent conversation with Marty Fish. Marty, a bigger thrill, finding out Josh Donaldson would be signing with your favorite baseball team or jumping into <laughs> Lake Tahoe celebrating victory on Sunday? They both felt good. Um, they both felt good. I, 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 I won't forget the uh, – I know I spoke to you after, but I, I won't forget the, the Donaldson signing because I was with him, like, the whole time. And, you know, I just – I love the Twins so much. And, and uh, it was just kind of a cool experience to kind of be a part of that. Um, the dip in Lake Tahoe felt good too, man. It was uh, nice and cold, um, nice and cold in there, and and it's it's uh, it was a nice warm day. Um, so they both felt good. Jumping in with Steph and Canelo and these guys, uh, it was pretty fun. I mean, the competition. I mean, I saw that the Bills, the former Bills defensive tackle, he's a big man, Williams. He yeah, gave a good boy. run. I mean, yeah, Steph Curry is a phenomenal player. I know how good John Smoltz is. So. I mean, to win that thing, you had to hold off some really good players. Yeah, I mean, Tony Romo also is a great player. I mean, I did a lot of damage on Saturday, um, you know, shooting 63 there, nine under, and 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 making 10 birdies in that sort of stable for scoring system. Making birdies is uh, is key, and, and 10 of them um, will do a lot of damage. So uh, I, I did most of my work on that day and, and just had to kind of survive on Sunday. And, and uh, it was fun, man. I've been looking forward to – playing well at that event and and um you know it's the best week of the year for us and and it's, it's super fun to just to be invited and just to be a part of that whole experience and then um obviously to win it it's pretty special 
when you set that course record on Saturday, when you hit the pillow on Saturday night, was there that thought of, okay, after that 63, after the course record, inevitably I'm going to win this thing on Sunday? <laughs> I mean, I felt good. I certainly, um, I've never had a round like that. I've never had a round where I've shot, you know, where I've made 10 birdies. Um, I've, I've had, I've had clean rounds, you know, where I've, where I've shot, you know, 66s or something like that, but you know, not very many bogeys and just fairly clean rounds, a few, few birdies here and there, you know, but, um, never gone that, that crazy or that deep, um, on a round. So that was pretty, pretty fun to, you know, to kind of have it on NBC and, and to have it there at that event, um, pretty, pretty lucky, pretty special. Was the best part just, you know, the camaraderie? I mean, hanging out with Steph Curry, you mentioned Canelo. I know a couple Vikings were there who Rudolph and Thielen, mm -hmm. like just bonding with all the guys. Yeah, I mean, that's the really cool part of the of these events, too, is, uh, you know, crossing, um, you know, our our paths would never cross um, in in our normal worlds, right? I mean, I, I just, I would never, I, I'd root for the Vikings, but just I'd, I'd never, um, I, I'd never really get to, to, to meet those guys, probably. I mean, is it cool just to, like, you're a big Vikings fan, I know you are, so just... You know, like, is it fun just to talk shop a little bit when, when you had a chance with, with Adam and Kyle? Yeah, I mean, I bother those guys throughout the year, uh, uh, mostly once or twice a week with a FaceTime call or something, especially Adam. I, I bother him like crazy. Um, uh, but but uh, Rudy, Rudy's my man, too, and – and uh, I, I remember last year when when Adam uh, hurt his Achilles, uh, a divisional round game. Again. Uh, he, um, you know, he weren't really sure how bad it was, uh, how bad the injury was. And he was saying, oh, I can't walk. I can't walk even on Saturday. So I would text Rudy and say, hey, man, how's Adam doing? And Rudy would text back, man, it's just a cut. He's being so dramatic. So so those are kind of the, the things that I get from uh, from him. I can always count on Rudy to give me the the inside scoop. Is the countdown on your favorite baseball team? I mean, the countdown's on. We're what nine days away from opening day. Yeah, pretty pretty awesome. I can't wait. Um, this sixty game season will be pretty wild too. Um, uh, you know, and it seems like everyone's you know on every team really is you know whether you know we had Rich Hill who wasn't going to start at the beginning of the year. I'm intrigued to see how the season progresses uh, as a sports fan and, and just sort of as a tennis fan too or a t former tennis player keeping an eye on how the U.S. Open is going to go be pretty intrigued to uh, to see how baseball works because of uh, to keep an eye on the U.S. Open too. On your passion for golf I mean growing up I mean was it always tennis and golf like was it 1A and 1B? Uh, yeah kind of I mean it was uh, those were the two that I certainly excelled at the most. Um, my dad is a is a a tennis fan but even before I was born he would go to the U.S. Open as a fan um, so he pushed me towards tennis a little bit more than the other sports I played baseball at a fairly high level but it, but you know I was 13 14 years old um, uh, but nothing like the tennis or golf um, uh, you know and, and I played some city championships and some state events and stuff in golf but never uh, never passed uh, kind of 14 years old. Uh, once I was 15, I sort of chose, okay, I'm going to try this tennis thing and see where it takes me. I'll leave you with this, and, and it's a serious topic. You were, you were open, Marty, in that Players' Tribune story going back, what, about five years, about, about your battle with anxiety. How has, how has golf helped you cope with that? Has it helped? Uh, golf is, uh, is a place that, uh, my mind can go, um, without, uh, traumatic experiences, uh, deep down. Um, you know, unfortunately tennis, um, which is, uh, you know, kind of my first love and, and obviously will be a part of my life forever. Um, there is that little bit of, um, history, uh, traumatic wise uh, with uh, my heart issues and then with the anxiety disorder. So, um, you know, so I've had some tough times on the tennis court, uh, and never had those issues on the golf course. So, um, it's kind of a, a safe haven for me. Um, I didn't retire, but I sort of stepped away from the game in 2013 and, and a little bit 2014 and, and, 
thankful that golf was there to sort of give me an outlet to compete a little bit. I played a few mini tour events and things. It was a place that I can sort of go and take my mind off everything and just kind of compete at a, a, a above average level, I guess. Um, and uh, so I'm, I'm really thankful that that golf was there for that. And then ultimately to be able to go back to tennis and, and, and finish on my own terms. When you opened up, when you, when you cut open that vein, I mean, have you heard over the years from people that said, thank you for doing that, that, that I was dealing with something and, and I didn't know what to do, or I was scared to say something, but to see somebody like you with such, you know, such an audience, such a reach, such a forum that, that you were so open that, that maybe that allowed somebody else to, to get the help that they so desperately needed. Yeah, Darren, you'd be surprised uh, um, how many people reached out and, and you'd be surprised at the names of the people that reached out. Um, people that I that I was a fan of um, in the sports world, um, even in the entertainment world uh, that I didn't know were fans of mine or knew, you know, knew me and heard my story and just sort of reached out. Um, I, I'll, I'll keep those names um, deep down forever. But uh Certainly, people that you've heard of, and and that uh, uh, that the sports world has heard of for sure, and and just thankful that I could share my experience and um, and help. Do you still even battle some anxiety today, Marty? Yeah, it's a um, it's something that'll be a part of my life forever. I think um, uh, uh, have a, a great grasp on it now. Um, feel really comfortable. Uh, you know, how I've progressed, um, mentally and sort of figured out, um, all the, uh, all the tools, uh, to, that it takes to, to sort of, um, uh, learn from the past experiences and use those tools to, to sort of feel better and, and feel strong on a, on a daily basis. I still take medication for anxiety disorder, um, uh, every day. So, uh, every day it's a, it's a sort of a daily thing. And, and, um, and I win every day. That's fantastic. Marty, thank you for being open. Thank you for this conversation. Stay safe and I'll certainly be in touch, okay? My pleasure, man. Go Twins. Yeah, they should be good. They should be really, really good. And it's a favorable schedule, so I like their chances. Yeah, should be fun. Okay, thank you, Marty. I appreciate it. He is a good, good dude. That is Marty Fish, Twin Cities born Marty Fish, now resides, has resided in Southern California. For a long time, he is courageous. Not only a good dude, but courageous. It takes a lot to say, hey, I need help. He was willing to to seek out that help for, for his battle with anxiety. He noted he's still on medication to this day to battle his issues with anxiety. Marty Fish, we wish him all the best. And I talked to him, when was that? I guess that would have been on Wednesday when I said nine days until the Twins open. The Twins open one week from today. That's why I said nine days because it was nine days from Wednesday. But as I record this on Friday late afternoon, it is seven days away, one week from today. Heck, at this time next week, as I sit here at you know, for something, we'll have the Twins lineup. Like, we'll know the Twins lineup for opening day next Friday. Cannot wait. All right, let's now move on to some of the conversations I had at that workout with a bunch of NFL players on Tuesday. Here is my conversation with Alexander Madison. It was raining, so my photojournalist, I talked to Alexander for a TV piece that will air sometime next week, maybe Sunday the 26th. But anyway, we were in a bit of a hurry. So there wasn't an extra microphone. So I talked really loud. But you'll hear my audio just a bit faintly, you know, compared to to Madison, then eventually Tajay Sharp, I figured it was more important that those guys had the microphone in front of their faces. And with social distancing, we set up a mic stand. So I'm not really on top of the player able to go back and forth with one microphone. So I think you can hear what what I'm asking these guys. I'll raise the levels as high as possible. So let me start with my conversation with Vikings running back, second year running back, Alexander Madison. Alexander, how much of what you will do, hopefully with a training camp that starts on July 28th, how much of what you're doing now, you know, you're here on a pretty daily basis right here at Woodbury High School, how much does that lay the groundwork for, for training camp? I definitely would say that it's, it's a big step for uh, me taking my game to the next level. You know, I got one year under my belt and I got so much to improve on. So being out here with these guys under the leadership of guys like CJ Ham and Adam Thielen and, and getting around those guys is, is something that is really big for me. 
um, being being that we can't really get together. Um, this little bit of time that we get together is something I'm trying to take and, and, and work on my craft and, and really uh, nitpick the details of my game. When you talk about working on your craft, I guess, what are some specific points that you're, that you're working on? I uh, definitely would say some mo mobility, explosiveness, um, some of my, uh, my vision, open field vision, stuff like that. So I'm doing a lot of visualizing, a lot of uh, explosive work that uh, Ryan does with us in, at ETS in, in the weight room. And so uh, we're really getting after it. And I think that me working with CJ uh, side by side with him is helping me out a lot too. When you talk about having that one year of experience, that one year under your belt, like how beneficial is experience now that you know, okay, here's what training camp looks like. Here's what the preseason looks like. Here's what the grind of a 16 week schedule looks like. How beneficial is that? Uh, it's super beneficial for me because going into this, you know, I was blind just a year ago. It was kind of like, don't know what to expect. Uh, you know, I'm kind of just following the lead of some guys when it comes to schedules and, uh, you know, resumes and, and, and how to go about my day as far as recovery, eating, practice, all of that stuff. And so now having that in the back of my mind, all of that, that I've been through, um, training camp, OTAs, 16 week season plus playoffs, it's something now I can refer back to as far as getting on a schedule now, wake up early to go lift at 6 a.m. So getting myself going like that, doing my recovery, my active recovery every day, it's just something that I've uh, gotten a schedule of. and. And now with that experience, I'm able to use that now. As you look back at year one, I guess, what, what stands out to you? Uh, for me, I would say just just the, the group of guys um, overall is, is, is nothing that like I would have expected. Uh, that feeling of being there with my brothers is, is something I miss most about it. You know, I miss being out there, getting in the work and, and, and being with the guys, but Really, it's just that, that atmosphere that really stood out to me that made everything that much more special because, you know, we have a big group of guys that want it, and we got after it every single day on the practice field and the meeting rooms and the weight room and out there on the field during, during the games. Because of that bond, I mean, how have you been able to navigate this this atypical offseason? Clearly, workouts <laughs> help, but yeah. like there weren't OTAs where you were around everybody. There yeah. wasn't a mandatory mini camp when you were around everybody. Yeah, and, and that's, I guess, the, the hardest part. Um, is kind of going about this on your own a little bit. I was on my own for some time when things got shut down because I was down in LA training. And uh, I was just kind of going with, you know, what I knew, some of the programs that we have from the Vikings, some of the extra training that I've done on the side. And just um, even at that point, I felt like I was not, you know, doing enough, but I was, you know, doing two, three workouts a day. and. I'm kind of killing myself a little bit and it's just, you know, it's kind of different not having guys around, not having that kind of structure. So I think it's good for me to be out here with these guys and, and, and working with, I'm thankful for Adam for uh, allowing me to work with him at ETS, but um, it's one of those things where, you know, getting around some guys, as you can see, is it's nice that we can all be out here and kind of at least get a little bit of work in together. Was it important for you to be here in Minnesota? I mean, to find Ryan, to find Adam, find the right people to work out with as opposed to you said you were you were out in LA. yeah I mean, was that tough to decide okay should I be in LA or should I be here in Minnesota uh yeah it was because you know I'm, I'm originally from San Bernardino so I was down there uh when my training got shut down in LA I went back to uh up to San Bernardino it was just there with my aunt and my cousins and I was doing you know, workouts running up long streets hills and and stuff like that but I think it was good for me to get back here and kind of focus on and detail up my game uh, with some explosive work, some some lateral movement work, some multi-direction cuts, stuff like that, um, that I, you know, probably would have worked on myself, like accidentally, but focusing on it now and, and doing the details of it now is, is more important. I really came back because my mom's here too, and I have a dog, so it was like, you know, let's just, since everything's shut down in California, go ahead and get back to Minnesota. How else has the, the pandemic impacted you? Like, correct me if I'm wrong, were you supposed to go on one of those those military tours with the yeah NFL. yeah and I'm assuming that got canceled yeah yeah so uh, that was a so that was a blessing to, to receive that um, to be nominated and, and selected to go um, on that USO tour but um, that unfortunately was canceled and uh, they said that they hold the the five selections that they made for next year so that'll be awesome to have to experience next off season uh, hopefully but. Um, as far as that goes, yeah, that, that affected uh, uh, that trip that was supposed to happen. 
uh, my training down in LA. There was some kind of, kind of marketing things I had on the side going that, that all got shut down. And so uh, kind of took a toll a little bit on my, my first NFL offseason too. It's kind of, you know, uh, I went into the season kind of not really knowing my direction. I went into the offseason doing the same thing. And so now it's kind of like, well, I haven't really experienced the typical NFL offseason. So um, I guess it's, it's good for me, though, just being able to kind of navigate and adjust. On that, though, I mean, do you feel like you have some direction that the hope is that, that you'll be on the training camp field on, on July 28th? Oh, man, I hope so. Fingers crossed that we can get back in the, in the office as soon as possible. Um, I wouldn't pass, you know, I'll put, I wouldn't put it past anything that, you know, either things get delayed or things go as according to plan. I think right now it's kind of 50-50 up in the air. Um, I, I'm just, you know, I just sit down and I take my time and make sure I pray about it and just hope that everything goes smoothly. But um, as for now, I really, I'm kind of confused and up in the air with it as well. I think a lot of us are. What, what sort of safety concerns do you have? Um, really, it is just the fact that it is a contact sport. You know, that's something that you can't avoid. So with that, that's the kind of the big picture is like, well, um, for the safety of us, for the safety of even, you know, even if there were to be fans or anything like that, um, it's just a lot to go into it. Um, I think for me, the concern would just be that, the health of it all. And um, at this point, we, we're not on schedule to have a full season with regular preseason uh, games in so really it's going to come down to a lot of different things up in the front office when it comes down to finances and health and and getting guys in the office with the hope that, that there is some semblance of a season even if it's modified I mean is there great hope with you guys that okay you lose Stefanski but Gary was there last year a lot of the offense presumably is going to be the same quarterbacks in place a lot of mm -hmm. the offensive linemen are in place yeah Diggs is gone but it's a run first offense you're back Dalvin, hopefully everything works out with Dalvin. Like a lot of the pieces are back. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's something I'm really looking forward to. Um, that's what I've been looking forward to since you know, everything since getting back to Minnesota. You know, I was like, all right, hopefully we're good to go on time. Unfortunately, we're not, but I'm excited to get back in that locker room, even with some of the new additions. Uh, Taze Sharp, as you um, saw, was out here today. Is it's uh it's exciting. It's exciting feeling to to look at. Uh, Kube is amazing. He's got so much wisdom. So uh, I think that's going to be a, a, a good thing to be around, and he's going to do some great things for us. The way last year ended, how does that motivate you? How does that motivate the team? Um, we're hungry. It, it was one of, those, uh, it's one of those moments where you know should have went a different way, um, and we kind of uh, let, let it slip away a little bit, and, and we know that we, we can do better. So. Um, I think as a, as a whole, we're hungry for, for more, and, and we know the potential that we have, and everyone's hungry to, to be better, too. So uh, we know the potential that we can strive to accomplish as well. How good of a situation is this for you? Like, I'm thinking a lot of teams, it's a pass-first offense. This, this happens to be a run-first offense. I would think from a running back standpoint, like, this is about as good as it gets. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's awesome. Just to even be in a backfield full of guys that, that love the game so much is it's even that much more fun because you get back there and we're all excited to get the ball in our hands. We're all excited to compete and, and we're all excited to get out there and, and push each other to be better. So um, for me, I, I love it. Um, Dalvin's in, I'm in, Boone's in, Amir's in, CJ. It doesn't matter. We're, we're up, bouncing up and down, running down the sideline for each other because we know um, we're ready to go out there and make a play. And I think Kube is, is, is uh, the right person to put us all in a position to make those plays. On you and Dalvin, how important is it to have that, that one-two punch, that the grind of a season, it's hard for one running back to be like that complete alpha, to be carrying the ball, touching the ball 30-plus times a game over over 16 games, that you need a one-two punch? Yeah, I think that is, that's something that's important. I think it's important for me as well, just you know, being young and being able to come in and be behind a guy like Dalvin, who's such an extraordinary player. And, um, and the way that, I mean, he, he's in a, in a world of his own with this game. And so being able to kind of study from him and learn from him and, and even uh, the guys in the room, Boone, Amir, CJ, I'm, I've learned so much from all of them uh, throughout the process. And we've just all grown together. So, um, yeah, that one-two punch, even just as you see, you've seen Boone and Amir can get in there and, and do it too. So it's, it's really the whole, the whole backfield is, is ready to go. And I think 
this type of offense and that type of system is, is something that can help us. How hopeful are you that everything just it works out with Dalvin? I mean, he's been putting videos out on Instagram. He looks to be in yeah. phenomenal shape. He's training down in Fort Lauderdale. Yeah. I don't think we need to worry about him. Oh, yeah, no. He's going to come back ready to go. And uh, I'm, I'm, you know, same thing with everything. I'm, I'm putting in prayers for him, and, and I'm just hoping for the best. Uh, I, know, I know he'll be back with us soon, so that, I'm going to put that out there, you know, just positive energy and just – uh, just hope that everything works out for him. I see that he's healthy and he's doing good. And, you know, we, we talk here and there and uh, nothing but good vibes and, and great energy coming from him. So I hope everything works out and I'm looking forward to the day it does. How often do you guys correspond? I mean, whether it's text or, or talk on the phone? Um, every, probably throughout the week, here and there every week, we, we either check in, running back group chat. Uh, we all kind of stay in contact. We stay close. I look at, at what they did this offseason. I was even surprised that they didn't even sign an undrafted free agent running back. Like, you're right. Like, that forced him with Amir being re-signed with Boone. He had the chance what week, mm -hmm. I guess that would have been what week. Uh, yeah. You know, then you and Dalvin, like, that's a that's a steady force. Yeah, yeah. And, that, and that's something that, you, you know, you kind of, you take and you take pride in that. The fact that um, we're keeping the guys together. There's new, no new additions. There's no guys leaving. Uh, that's something we, you know, we take pride in staying together and being a strong group and uh, trying to be the best group in the league. Where are you at in terms of blocking? Like, can you work on blocking? Like, yeah. I don't know how you replicate <laughs> that, right? Because you're trying not to really hit out. Uh -huh. there, but can you replicate any blocking? Yeah. Um, usually, some some days we'll be out here. So I'll, uh, me and CJ will be out here with med ball and and do some things that we we normally do with our uh, running back coach KP and. Uh, so we just we go through it and we and we get our work in and uh, we make sure we kind of get some shadow going and and really all you can do is kind of uh, work as much as you can without kind of either touching each other or and having someone slip and fall or hurt themselves or anything like that. But yeah, we do get some work in. Going back to June, like there were like what thirty of you guys out here? Was it like almost the entire offense minus maybe Dalvin? But was like pretty much the whole offense able to get out here? Yeah, it was a big group of guys. We got together and uh, we were able to get some some great reps in and get that that timing down and, and get some uh, some of that chemi chemistry together too. I mean, was that almost? I mean, were you able to run eleven out there? Did you have a full five on the offensive line and yeah, ends and you were in the backfield? Yeah, it was it was it was a great turnout. You know, we wanted to kind of simulate a little uh, mini camp um, during the time that it normally would have been a little three day mini camp. So it was great for us to get out here and get together. How how unique, how crazy, it's just, it seems like so much has happened in the last year. You mentioned yeah. it. I mean, you get drafted and, you know, all of a sudden, you know, rookie year, but then you think about everything that's taken place since the season ended. Like, it seems like the loss in San Francisco was forever. Yeah. You know, you think about the pandemic, I'd argue racism is a pandemic, right? Yeah. Everything taking place specifically here in the Twin Cities, like, it's been a wild ride. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy just to look back and think about, you know, we're a little over halfway into 2020 and, uh, you know, it's, it's feels like it's been a couple years. So, um, you know, that's, I just go about my life praying for better days and, and uh, I wake up with a smile on my face just knowing that I, I woke up and I have the ability to change my life and, and be an inspiration to somebody else's. So uh, that's kind of how I navigate through it and I just kind of take it for what it is and, you know, it, there's there's something that we can't do, and that's that's control something that we can't control. So, um, yeah, all I can do is, is stay positive about it and and do my part to try and make a change. On social injustice, though, on racism, I mean, do you feel like because you have a platform, a big platform, that that your voice should be heard in this regard? That even if you touch one individual, whether it's even just on social media and somehow start to enact change that, that that's important to you? Yeah, that's super important to me just because, um, you know, I've been in a place where my voice didn't matter. And I've even felt that even, you know, not too long ago, a couple months ago, where I felt like, you know, I didn't have the place to say something. And uh, just be having that reassurance with the Players Coalition and, and the Social Justice Committee that we have with the Vikings, with Amir and, and uh, Anthony Harris and Anthony Barr, Eric Kendricks, um, it's it's one of those things where we know how important it is and we want other people to see that too and understand that too and i think it's important for us to kind of understand that you know we have the right to speak out and we have the right to use our platform uh for good instead of just you know 
having a platform and, and not using it at all. So that's kind of the, the, the take I had on it was just um, don't really have any regrets about it. Just just go and, and, and be positive. And at the end of the day, I hope that my message can get through to however many people um, and we can just, you know, stick together. Not just you, the organization. Like I think about the Will family donating millions of dollars. Yeah. You talked about the, the committee with, with Anthony and those guys. Like it seems like the Vikings as an organization are trying to push forward a lot of change. Yeah, yeah, and that's something that I love about this organization. I love uh, about um, the guys that we have, um, the leadership up front. It's it's amazing, and I think that um, they're going to continue to to do great things like that, and we're going to continue to push and and try and make a change. I think it was one more football because it just hit me. Your guy Ezra Cleveland is here, right? I mean, yeah. It's probably when, not if, that, that he's one of the five starting offensive linemen. Yeah, he's a, he's a monster, and uh, I, I couldn't have been more excited to see that happen. We were talking all day long when, uh, during the process, and, and when the phone call happened, I was, it, was, it was crazy. It, you know, reunited, and, and it, was, it was just amazing. So uh, just to get him out here, it, it feels good. He's, he's putting in work, and he, he loves it so far. So I'm excited to see him in the offense and see what he does. I mean, does he have a little flexibility too? Like, do you think he could play even some guard? Uh, yeah, he's he's yeah he's uh, he's super flexible. He's he's a he's a freak athlete. So I think I think he has the capability of playing kind of almost wherever you put him besides center. Maybe I haven't seen him snap a ball, but uh, yeah, hopefully he gets in there and uh, you know he can learn the offense and he can show uh, his his abilities. That was my conversation from earlier this week with Vikings running back Alexander Madison on Ezra Cleveland. The long-term plan is undoubtedly him being the Vikings' left tackle. It'll be interesting to see if the Vikings do take the practice field on July 28th. We'll learn more on Monday. Eric Sugarman is the Vikings' head trainer, but he's also their infectious disease boss. He's the one that's been in on all these NFL meetings. The Vikings were in on a conference call on Friday afternoon with the league office. The plan as of now is, yeah, I don't know how much direction these teams have. A lot of players are still in the dark a bit, but as of now, like the Chiefs and Texans rookies are reporting early next week with still some confusion. But if all works out, the Vikings will have players in like the 26th and 7th for testing, hit the practice field as early as July 28th. But as we sit here on July 17th, there still is a lot of confusion among a lot of agents, players, and front offices and coaching staffs. All right, let me now get to my brief conversation with new Vikings wide receiver Tajay Sharp. Same deal. I didn't have a microphone just because it was it was raining. It was it was fast. It was hectic. So I didn't have a microphone. Figured he needed the microphone, but I think I can raise the audio levels high enough where you can make out what I'm asking him. Here is my conversation from Wednesday. Actually, it was Tuesday with Tajay Sharp. Tajay, how much of what you're doing out here lays the groundwork for later this month when training camp starts? Um, every Everything we're doing out here, you know, we're just trying to stay ready, um, you know, for whenever we get the call to come back to work, um, you know, just training as if, you know, we would be in camp right now and, um, you know, just trying to be ready for, you know, whatever comes ahead. How grateful are you that you have a chance to bond with a bunch of your teammates in this setting? Oh, yeah, very grateful, man. Um, you know, I'm excited to be here, um, excited to be you know, with the guys, uh, you know, grinding, working out together, getting to know each other, um, you know, while this time we, we still have off. So uh, it's been great to build that camaraderie with the rest of the guys. And, um, you know, we just can't wait to get started. All the Zoom meetings you've done, just sort of affirm your decision that you made the right decision to sign here with the Vikings. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, you know, I don't I don't second guess my decision, you know, at all. Um, you know, I'm very grateful to be here, grateful for the opportunity. Um, love my teammates, coaching staff. Everything's been great. So, like I said, um, you know, myself and the rest of the team, we're just ready to get started. Do you have a lot to prove this year? Oh, yeah. I feel like, uh, you know, every time you step on the field, no matter who you are, you have something to prove. Um, you know, no matter how, do, how good you're doing or, you know, how bad you're doing, you know, somebody's always going to have something to say. So, um, you know, whether it's to yourself or, you know, to your teammates, to your coaching staff, you know, the people, you know, around the league, you always got something to prove, you know, in my opinion. So every time I step on the field, you know, I just try to take that uh, mindset. What's it like forming that specific bond with, with Adam? I mean, Adam, I think, kind of leads these workouts. Oh, yeah, for sure. It's been amazing. Um, you know, everybody knows the type of player that, you know, Adam has been in this league for years. And, um, you know, just me firsthand getting to see the type of person he is um, and, you know, the type of player, you know, up close and personal working out with him, you know, see how he, you know, thinks about certain routes and uh, certain plays um, and just how he works, man. It's, uh, it's amazing to be around. So I'm just very grateful and, uh, you know, can't wait to, you know, get into the season. I'll let you bounce after this. Gary Kubiak's offense which is sort of what Kevin Stefanski also 
behind last year, called last year. How, how does that fit your skill set? I feel like it fits me uh, perfectly. You know, that's one of the reasons I, you know, decided to, you know, join this this great organization. And, um, you know, like I said, I'm just excited. And, you know, whatever my teammates and my coaching staff uh, needs of me, um, I feel like I'll be able to bring it to the table. So I'm just excited and uh, grateful for the opportunity. And do you feel like you guys will hear pretty soon? I mean, are you thinking like July 28th, you're going to be on the practice field? Well, that's what they're telling us. So, um, you know, like I said, we're just out here working every day, um, just trying to stay ready so we don't have to get ready. So whenever we're, we're, we're called to go back to work, you know, we'll be ready for it. New Vikings wide receiver, Tajay Sharp. All right, I promise I was mic'd for this conversation. Brian Cosgriff, 59 years old, recently retired as the Hopkins girls basketball coach. He is a Minnesota basketball Hall of Famer. He will be inducted in a ceremony at some point later this year. It was postponed from the spring. Seven state champions at Hopkins High School he coached. I mean, he is just unbelievable as a girls basketball coach, but he coached boys many years ago, coached at Hopkins as an assistant under Ken Novak Jr., coached at some other schools. He is, I'm telling you, he is a Minnesota basketball lifer, but when you think specifically of girls high school basketball, he is one of the first names that comes to mind, but he is walking away. It was time for him to retire as the Hopkins girls basketball coach. Here's my recent conversation with Brian Cosgriff. Cause is it just email after email, text after text? I mean, yeah, it is, and it's really, it's really humbling to know that uh, people cared enough to reach out and send a text or a voicemail or make a comment on Facebook. So I'm really humbled, um, grateful, and um, ready for the next chapter. I mean, this could be a very complex answer, but it's a simple question: Why retire? Well, a number of things happened. My principal, Jody, she decided to take a different job in another school district who I worked with her for 20 years. I loved her. The head custodian was my best friend at work and he retired. And then my sister came down with stage four ovarian cancer, which has spread quite immensely in her body. And I just was like, my older brother passed away at 61. My sister's 61, I'm 59. Um, it's just time to do other things. And with the certainty, uncertainty of the future, it's like time to go. Is your sister, I mean, it's, what's the outlook? She's in the third round of chemo. She's bound and determined to fight it and beat it. She's got a great positive outlook, but yet it is what it is. Our thoughts and prayers are with her and, and your entire family. Thank you. Is it also just that the job has changed so much, not just like in the last year, but going back multiple years, that, that it's really a 12-month-a-year job? It's always on your mind. It's always on your mind every day of the year. You're always concerned about if you're doing the right thing, if you have permits, are you getting the players that you need in your feeder system? Are you getting the messages out to the college coaches on your players? Um, your assistant coaches know the practice schedule. Do you have the practice schedule written up? Uh, you're working on the next year's schedule already. So, I mean, it's always on your mind. It's 24-7, 365. Is the thing maybe you'll miss the most is is the friendships and bonds that, that you created. I mean, everybody calls you Kaz. It's not coach. That to me says something, that, that there was that very personal bond that they didn't need to call you coach. It was always Kaz. It's always been that way ever since fifth grade and so my thing is that uh, I'm okay with that it's respectful um, it, it, the thing that I'll miss more than anything else is the relationships with the players and the coaches not only my assistant coaches because I had great assistants they were my brothers and I love just hanging out with them but I loved the relationships I had with the other co coaches within our conference within our class um, as well as 2A and 3A and just sitting there talking hoops or, you know, everyone was complaining about our jobs all the time. So, I mean, it, it's, it, was, it was fun. But, you know, I'm still going to be in the gyms, and, uh, but I just won't be on the sidelines yelling at refs and players now. On your assistance, I mean, like, watching you run a practice, there was never any ego there. Like, you deferred to your assistants a lot. Not a lot of coaches would do that. Well, I had great assistants and I trusted them. And I, and I felt like, you know, if you want to keep your assistants around, you got to give them stuff to do. And at the end of the day is they all had ownership. I mean, one assistant called the defense, one assistant called the inbounds plays, one assistant called the offense, and then I just kind of ran everything. So, I mean, it was a good system. 
We all worked on scouting reports. We all worked seven days a week, you know, every day of the week. And, uh, you know, we enjoyed going out after games and going out and hanging out together. So it was really kind of a, a brotherhood and sisterhood. Is this something that you gave a lot of thought to? I mean, going back many months, I mean, this wasn't just a snap of the fingers type decision. No, I've been thinking about it for a couple years, but I had my daughter on the team and I, and I knew that I wanted to stay through her because honestly, I hadn't seen her play much through her younger years because I was always busy with basketball. And now she finally gets to the varsity level. I wasn't going to retire. And then after that, you know, it was day by day and with the uncertainty of the future, it was, it was time. I mean, heck, I mean, I think about it. Paige is done, right, Paige? The greatest player in Minnesota girls' basketball history. She moves on. Maybe just logical that it was time for you to also move on same time. Well, but we got a nice team coming back. We have a real nice team coming back, and they're great kids. And there's a couple of those kids that I've seen them play since second grade. And, you know, one of the players' uh, grandfather was in the emergency room when my older brother passed away. So there was a real bond there, and I felt... Uh, an obligation to try and stay but when my sister went down and my principal left and my my best buddy Dane left from Alice Smith and the uncertainty it, it just I knew it was the right thing to do what do you think about when I when I talk about your legacy I mean I think about the 62 game winning streak I think about the seven state titles I think about Minnesota Basketball Hall of Fame but when I bring that up to you what instantly comes to your mind that I had really good players, and I had great coaches, and I had great administration, and that's Hopkins for you. Hopkins has always been a basketball community, and I was fortunate to be part of that ride, to be honest with you. It's never really been about me. It's, it's been about the community, the kids, and, and the school, and that's just the way it's been. I mean, there's just some communities that, Edina Hockey, Eden Prairie Football, I mean, it's. It's just the way it is, and Hopkins has always been associated with basketball. There's something to be said, too, about going out on top. I mentioned the 62-game winning streak. Heck, if you guys had a chance to play in that state championship game, I think a lot of us thought you guys were going to win that, and you would have finished with two consecutive state championships. Is there something to be said about going out on top? Yeah, I suppose, but, you know, I've been a part of something where we won three in a row, and there's always a piece of you that's sad after that thing because you're losing some really good kids. I mean, my daughter was graduating. Regardless if we wanted or lost it, she was moving on. Paige was moving on. Temi Bazizovic was moving on. And uh, Ellie, Ellie is moving on. And, you know, just Savannah's moving on. And KK's moving on. You're saying goodbye to those kids. And you've been with them for a long period of time. And, and so, yes, it's fun to win. But yet it's, it's kind of, uh, uh, you're, you're sad, too, in some regards. How hard was it, how tough was it to tell your team that, that you were walking away? You know, I sat down in front of him, I had the chair on the floor, and I said to him, I go, I haven't been this nervous since the YZ game. And it's probably one of the hardest things I've had to do in education. And, um, you know, they accepted it. In fact, maybe, maybe some were happy, I don't know. But they were very gracious when, when they walked out. A number of people said thank you, that sort of thing. And then I told them, I said, you know, this has always been your team. And regardless of who's coaching it, if you really want to do well, then have a voice in the next selection. Go up and, and, and advocate for who you want to be your coach. Sit on the interview team or talk to the athletic director. Advocate for who you want. It's your team. You need to do that. Who would you like to see be the next coach? Gino. <laughs> I don't know if that's realistic, but yeah, that'd be he, a heck of a hire. He, he might have to take a pay cut. But, <laughs> yeah, I would imagine. <laughs> I, you know, I just hope whoever it is has the kids' best interest in heart and realizes it's about the kids. I mean, I've got some wonderful assistants, and, and, and I'm sure some of them are interested, and some of the people that have worked with our feeder system and the summer program, they're all interested. I just, whoever it is, that they, they consider you know, everyone involved, not just the great players, but one through 18, the travel system, and realize that, you know, it's not only girls basketball, but it's the community of Hopkins that you're representing. It's, it's a rich basketball tradition in that town, and you want to continue to make it prosper. I'll let you go after this. Jeff may have one, but you mentioned that you're still going to be in, in the gym. Do you have an idea of of what you'd like to do basketball-wise moving forward? Well, what I'm probably going to do, I'm going to, I have a teaching job at Providence Academy. 
So I'll be working over there. Um, I'm going to take a year off from coaching for sure. I know that. I want to do some TV work with Cable 12 and still stay involved with uh, Miss Basketball and just be around the game, maybe be a site supervisor at Hopkins. I'm going to be on the chain crew for the Gophers and for Hopkins, and I'll announce baseball. So I'll still be involved with athletics. I just I do not want to be involved with, um, you know, on a daily basis of preparation and, and getting ready. And I just want to step away from that and maybe be done at 4 o'clock every day. He's a Hall of Famer, Hall of Fame guy, Hall of Fame coach, former Hopkins coach Brian Cosgriff, seven-time state champion. It would have been eight if the state championship game against Farmington was not canceled. They won in Farmington's gym during the regular season by 20-something points. So undoubtedly, Paige Beckers was not going to lose. A 62-game winning streak he leaves for the Hopkins girls basketball team. All right, one more basketball interview on this lengthy podcast. Joe Hurlbert is a big man, a 2022 big man from North Dakota. He is playing for D1 Minnesota this summer. He recently, well, he recently earned a bunch of offers, including from Richard Patino and the Gophers. Here is my conversation with 2022, class of 2022 big man from North Dakota, Joe Hurlbert. Appreciate your time. Let's just start with you playing for the local team, D1 Minnesota. How's that going so far? Uh, it's been awesome to play with D1 Minnesota. Uh, great group of guys. They've got a lot of connections, and it's just been good to pick the uh, the minds of some some guys that have played at the highest level. So, how did you end up connecting with them? I mean, obviously you're you're North Dakota based. You're not here in the Twin Cities. So, how did that connection yeah. come about? Uh, my dad reached out to Tom Groshel and then or I, I played in the Hardwood League, if, if you know what that is. And then uh, I just ended up or playing 15U last year, started it up. And just how nice is it just to be back out there playing that, that you know, that, that the pandemic, and it's still a pandemic, there are many states where the numbers are spiking, but, but that you were able to get down to Iowa last weekend, you'll have a couple more tournaments that that you guys are able to play basketball this summer. Yeah, it's just we didn't know if we were going to be able to play this summer. So just to be running with my guys, it's a lot of fun. I'm super thankful that we're able to play. Describe the kind of player you are. I mean, as we here in the Twin Cities are starting to get to know you, you know, and clearly, and we'll get to the Gophers offer in a second, when, when the local team offers you, a lot of us in the media start to pay more and more attention. But as we start to learn about you and your game, I guess just describe the kind of player you are. Um, I'd say I'm a versatile four. I can I can shoot the ball, definitely. Uh, pretty good rebounder. And then I really take pride in my ability to pass the ball and give my teammates good looks. So. And when you say, Joe, you're a versatile four, I guess what do you mean by that? Uh, just that I can do a lot when I'm on the court and like, I, I'm obviously, I'm obviously really uh, tall. So probably going to be guarding the, regarding playing the floor, and, uh, on defense and stuff like that. But I feel like I can shoot and do whatever I have to do to make the team win. And I mean, really, when you say versatile four, I mean, do you have some stretch forward to your game? And, and when you say versatile four, I mean, is it safe to say with your height that, that you're comfortable guarding some fives and maybe even some threes? Yeah, for sure. Um, I, could, I, I feel like I could guard, yeah, probably three through five. And then uh, I feel like I can take a defender out on, on the wing, take him in the post, whatever it might be. So, I mean, you like where, where your shot is? Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, the range goes all the way out to the – you know, high school three-point line, eventually the college three-point line? Yeah, I'd say even for – I'll shoot from anywhere pretty pretty much during during high school. I really let it fly, so. As you look back at, at last weekend, I guess, what what stood out in, in the tournament there in Ames? Uh, it was just high intensity. We played some good teams, so uh, I'd say the intensity was a lot higher than normal and – uh just more athletic dudes and stuff. And I mean, college coaches are are getting video feeds of these games, even if they're not allowed in the gym. So, I mean, that means mm -hmm. that 
that you're going to get that much more attention. I mean, is your phone just has it been blowing up the, the last handful of days? Yeah, I'd say so for sure. Who are some of the schools that have reached out? Uh, recently, it's been like Indiana, Marquette, uh, Memphis, Stanford, Ohio State, Iowa State, a couple other ones, but yeah. And then go through the schools that, that have officially offered you. Uh, just got Nebraska this morning, uh, Minnesota, Wisconsin, Iowa, Colorado, and then North Dakota, North Dakota State. So just how, how grateful are you that, that all these schools want you and you still have a ways to go before you even graduate high school? Yeah, it's just a blessing to be getting these offers. You know, I've been dreaming of playing at the highest level ever since a kid. So it's a blessing to get these offers for sure. How enjoyable is the process or is it at times, is it, is it a bit overwhelming? Um, I wouldn't say overwhelming, but uh, yeah, it's definitely, it's not as like, or it gets more stressful than you might think. Like it's not always just fun games, like, because obviously you can only pick one school. So, you know, it's not as, I don't know how to, how, how to word that, but. Do you have any sort of timeline in mind? Like maybe if we chat like one year from now, like next summer, you know, would you like to make up your mind before that school year begins? Or do you think it'll go into your senior year? Uh, I'm thinking by either senior year, fall or summer, whatever it might be. But I definitely want to have it made up before my senior year of basketball season. Any sense if you'll be able to even take some visits or – if you can't take official visits, you know, do you drive to Iowa? Do you drive to Wisconsin? Do you drive to Boulder? Do you drive here to the Twin Cities just to walk around the campus? Yeah, hopefully this fall we'll be able to take some visits. But if not, I mean, obviously I'd, I'd still check out all the campuses and stuff that I'm considering. What does the rest of, of the summer look like for you? How many different events will you play in? I think we have five for sure tournaments left. A lot of them are local this year, just to, I think, stop the spread of the corona or whatever. And then uh, we might add, like, two more, depending on what the NCAA votes or something like that later in the year. Do you get down here to the Twin Cities to practice, or are you just connecting with D1 for, for the games? Oh, yeah, I come to practice. So, I mean, that's, that's a haul. I mean, do you end up staying here then? I mean, do you guys practice on Wednesday? So when you come in on Wednesday, do you just – stay here in the Twin Cities, and then you guys go on to the to the next tournament? Uh, yeah, we were doing this, like, two-a-day kind of thing for a while. It was, like, Friday, Saturday. So that was really nice to, uh, like, do Friday, Friday night and then Saturday morning and then go back. But now we've been doing Tuesdays and Thursdays. So I usually, I usually skip the Tuesday and then come up on the Thursday one and then stay till the weekend. Makes sense with it being a, a multi-hour drive. What's, what's the competition level like? when you're in the gym with, with your D1 teammates compared to what you see during the season in North Dakota? Everybody's going at each other and stuff compared to high school where not everyone's as serious and stuff about the game in North Dakota when all these guys are trying to get scholarships. So it's just more intense. Take us through the, the Minnesota offer. What does the Minnesota offer mean to you? Uh, yeah, it's just it's awesome to get that offer. Um, I grew up – or I was a Gopher fan when I was little. And um, my brother went there, so I've, I've been on the campus a lot. And then, uh, yeah, I really like what uh, Coach Patino and all them are doing. Have you even started to form a relationship with Coach Patino, or is it more so one of his assistants? Oh, uh, yeah. I've talked to Patino a little bit, and then uh, Coach Conroy. I've, I've been texting a lot. He's a super cool guy. So, I mean, and, and you've watched Gopher games. I mean, you said you grew up a Gopher fan. So, I mean, you've been watching Patino the last handful of years. I mean, do you feel like, you know, the offense he runs is, is good for a player like you? Oh, uh, yeah. For, for Dan, it works. Daniel True, he's going to the league now. So, uh, obviously, for a big guy that can uh, do a lot of things, worked for Dan, so. Yeah, it did. I mean, I think he's going to be a first-round pick. I mean, is that a name that, that Coach Conroy and Coach Patino bring up to you? Uh, not too often, but uh, I went to a practice last year and got to watch them all play. And then 
yeah, he looked he looked really impressive. And then you said your brother he graduated from from Minnesota. He was just a, a regular student. He wasn't an athlete. Yeah. So I mean, you've been presumably you've been on the Minnesota campus what a, a bunch of times. Oh yeah, a bunch of times. I I'd spend the night at his uh, apartment a lot. And you like the big city feel? Yeah, for sure. And then what about the Iowa offer? I guess what what sticks out about the Iowa offer? Uh, so my my aunt actually was like, I think she's the second time all leading scorer for the women's basketball program. So like I I saw her get inducted into the Hall of Fame there and stuff. So that's always that's always uh, it's just a cool offer to have. I'd say just with the family roots and stuff. Yeah, I would think so. Yeah, absolutely. And then what about what about the Badgers offer? Oh uh, yeah, that was awesome too. Um, Coach Krabenhoff is from South Dakota, so. We're kind of from the same area, not quite, but you know they're bringing Matthew Morris from Yankton, South Dakota. So a lot of Dakota guys are getting some interest from the Badgers. And then I guess when you look at the Badgers, I mean some of the players they've produced over the years, you know whether it's a Kaminsky or you know maybe a Micah Potter. Now, I mean, you know they've done a good job with those six nine, six ten type forwards that mm-hmm. can do multiple things. Yeah, for sure. Uh, the bigs really uh, developed well in that system, I think, and what they've been able to do the past couple of years and send guys to the NBA. It's just, I'd like to, I don't know how to say that, but it's a, it's a good system. And then what about the Colorado offer, I guess, of, of the high majors that have offered you? I guess I should ask you about Colorado as well. Yeah, I've probably known them the longest. Uh, I went out to a team camp there last year, and they came to watch me work out those falls. So. Uh, I I really like Colorado for, for sure. Is there any program or school in particular that that maybe hasn't reached out that you're hoping reaches out? Uh, I can't really ask for much more than what I've gotten right now. You know, I've got a lot of a lot of good options right now, so I wouldn't I wouldn't say so. And presumably, I mean, it's a thought that that the more you play, I mean, you're still young enough that that more and more offers will will eventually come in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then I guess Nebraska too. I guess I'd be remiss. You said Nebraska offered this morning. Fred Hoiberg is there. He's got Minnesota yep. ties, and he's he's got an assistant on his staff that that used to work here uh, with the Timberwolves as well. What what stands out about the Nebraska offer? Uh, you know, he was he was running me through how they would use me in their offense as a big, as a skilled big, especially. And then he's got a lot of NBA connections because uh, he coached for the Bulls, so. Yeah, I mean, how much does that resonate with you that that somebody that played in the NBA, that coached in the NBA, now wants you on on his college team? Yeah, that's awesome to to be uh, talking to a great coach like Coach Hoiberg. Class of 2022 big man from the state of North Dakota. He's playing for D1 Minnesota, the local AAU team this summer. That was Joe Hurlbert. All right, we are done. That is Scoop Podcast episode 306. Always appreciate you listening. Have an enjoyable weekend. Stay safe. Stay sane.